Hello, listeners. If there's one thing that we love here at This Was a Thing, it's values. That's why Rob and I went on over to the Reagan Library and decided to check out some of the fun exhibits they have. That's right, Rob and Ray do the Reagan Library, but you can only see the video. That's right, video people. It's a documentary. It's a documentary. We are expanding the content. You can only see this expanded content if you are a $5 a month member on Patreon. That's the old Lucy level. So go ahead, give us the $5 a month. It goes back to the show. And you know what? You can get some exclusive content that me and Rob put a lot of effort into. And Rob has a lot to say about Mr. and Mrs. Reagan and the FBI exhibit. Great exhibit, by the way. Great FBI exhibit. Are you going to tell them about our friend that we made at the library? R- uh, Rob made a friend with one of the docents named Lou DeLucia. I don't know if we're allowed to say that legally, but... Uh, R- <laughs> Well, after what Lou DeLucia told us, I think we can say anything we want about Lou DeLucia. Yeah, that's true. Lou had some very strong uh, political beliefs. Yes. Lou Lou DeLucia, a new character on This Was a Thing, but you can only hear him on Patreon. That's right, Patreon. Head on over. Now, on with the show. Hi. This is a podcast looking for a nice, deep personal connection with a listener. I'm a single Apple podcast, about 20,000 listeners, but size isn't everything. Looking to spend about 40 or so minutes with you to laugh, to learn, to love. A listener to take this podcast on a work commute with, a bike ride with, a walk on a rocky beach with. If you're interested, then settle back and listen to the history of personal ads on this week's This Was A Thing. Grab your powdered wigs and foot and keep tonight we can't dance. Beethoven, Jane Austen, Mozart, petticoat breeches for your pants. This was a thing, this was a thing, fair belly and the king of Spain. Long Yunvol Castiglione, all of these things were a thing. Hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Rob. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we are looking at personal ads. Ooh. Yes. Now, this was a thing because before you could find your soulmate with a simple swipe of your finger, there was some work that went into it finding the right words and the waiting could be interminable. Yes, all your apps ran because personal ads walked. And today we are going to tiptoe through the past ways lovers would call out to one another in print. Now, yes, there were matchmakers and marriage bureaus, and today we have apps and websites, but today's episode is really only about printed personal ads. Mr. Hebel, did you ever place a personal ad? Uh, No, I did not. Did you ever go on to Craigslist and uh, try to maybe respond to an ad? I never tried to respond to a Craigslist ad, but I went on there enough times to just read them because some of them were just so insane. For those of you that don't know, a personal ad was simply a message that could be printed and published in a newspaper. We're talking that that old school now. Uh, that explained what you were looking for in life. You could list your stats, your location, your desires, your wishes, but the words were all yours 
and yours alone. You had to make yourself appealing somehow without another person seeing you. It is thought that the first personal ad was a matrimonial advertisement appearing in a British publication on July 19th, 1695. A man, quite simply, was looking for a wife. He advertised what he had to offer, explained what she needed to bring to the table. Okay. And if it worked, then it was was a marriage. An example of a marriage ad at this time. This is actually a a real one from the 1700s here. Uh, A gentleman of about 30 years of age would willingly match himself to some good young gentlewoman that has a fortune of 3,000 or thereabout, and he will make settlement to content. When it shall appear that I am candid... No other wife concerned than in bringing two elderly persons to a treaty, and the nine days' wonder and laughter, usually attending new things, are over, and that nobody shall know anything of the matter, but where I shall reasonably believe that they are in good earnest, then tis probable such advertisement may provide very useful. So, a big ad. If you're serious and I'm serious, nobody has to know. Also, if you got money, that's cool, too. Hashtag cougar life. In fact, no hashtags. Uh, in fact, for the first 150 years, personal ads were not people looking for dates, hookups, friends. It was looking for a, a marriage partner. The same way you now say you're looking for a used Xbox or a lawnmower. You need someone to come paint your roof. In fact, marriages were part of the classified sections. Oh, a Marriage back then was not really for love. It was an agreement or a contract or a business deal and very little of it had to do with amorous feelings between parties it had to be appropriate and appropriateness involved issues of your family your heritage your property your region your state your kingdom your empire your territory your titles it had nothing to do with the secondary matter at hand which was romance Romance. now who placed most of these ads my friend well they were placed by men in their 20s normally, who emphasized two needs that they needed from a woman. What do you think those two needs were? What do you think the two things they all wanted from women? Money and a house. Close. Money and... No children. Oh, no. Youth. Youth. uh They wanted them young and they wanted them rich. And why were these men posting? Because, you know, traditionally back then, there was usually someone who would help broker a marriage or they would there would be somebody who would come and facilitate right and all that or you know they would also marry their cousins at some point well you also have to remember at this time uh, think about if you're a farmer and you're living in a rural area you have limited opportunities to meet women Uh, but mostly men didn't want their friends and their family to keep meddling in who they should marry So it's nice to know that some things just have not changed. Yeah, it's fine. What has changed, however, is the stigma that was associated with personal ads, or uh, apps as we call them today. As back then, it was seen as desperate and sad that someone couldn't find a spouse from their traditional circle of friends and neighbors. (laughs) So to put out an ad, there is something obviously very sad and pitiful about you. Luckily, everything is anonymous. Yeah, I was going to say. But still... You have to then come up with a story. How do we meet? Um, I was sitting at home one day, and she just rang my bell. And I said hello. And it was love at first ring. That's what our, that's our story. Ah, uh, yes, our story. Ah, uh, have, to- have, have you told everyone our story? You just showed up t- to... Yes, me. I told everyone how I came to your house and knocked on the door. Ah, oh, goddammit! Oh! <laughs> There would be whispering about these oh-so-sad people and their inability to find someone in their own circle. It was thought that these people must have 
lonely hearts. Can I ask a question? Yes. How did they get in contact if it was anonymous? What a great question. The newspaper would facilitate. Got it. The newspaper would facilitate. So what would happen is, is you would, you would, when you post your classified ad, it would be like, Ray, male, 30s, seeking a woman of youth and money. If interested, respond to, and then there'd be a P.O. box number. Got it. Okay. And then that stuff would get forwarded on to you, and then you could respond if you so wish. Got it. Got it. Got it. But like I was saying, we call them personal ads today, and they were part of the classifieds. But uh, the name that most people associate with this back then was a, a, a term called Lonely Hearts. Mm. Lonely Hearts, because the people that cannot find love on their own and have to publicize in a newspaper for it uh, must have lonely hearts. Today, we call it Tinder. I cannot think of a name more depressing than Lonely Hearts. Yeah, Jesus. I am assuming it costs too much to typeset Pathetic Loser. In the classified section. And despite these, the fact that these ads were seen as embarrassing, but thank God they were anonymous, they filled many papers and were even ripe for parody. So this is a parody from April 23rd, 1722. Oh, yes. The New England Current in Boston carried this parody. Quote, any young gentlewoman that is minded to dispose of herself in marriage to a well-accomplished young widower and has five or six hundred pounds to secure to him by deed of gift, she may repair to the sign of the glass lanthorn in Steeple Square to find all the encouragement she can reasonably desire. Can you say that with a Boston accent? Uh, she may repair to the sign <laughs> of the glass lanthorn in Steeple Square to uh, find all the encouragement she can reasonably desire. That was good. Thank you. Do you know who wrote that? Who? A 16-year-old Benjamin Franklin. Oh. Asshole. <laughs> Damn. Asshole. By the 1700s, by the early 1700s, London had 53 major newspapers, and all 53 major newspapers were publishing matrimonial ads. So once again, just an emphasis, it's on marriage. A lot of P.O. boxes. A lot of P.O. boxes. And now just a few years later, in 1727, we have a break in the glass ceiling. Because Helen Morrison, a lovely single lady in Manchester, places what we think is the first female Lonely Hearts ad, seeking a companion to spend the rest of her life with. So it's not mm -hmm. going to be a guy. It'll be Helen Morrison. And a man does reply to her ad. Benjamin Franklin. Nope. Oh. Um, he's a judge. And he sends Helen to an asylum for a month <laughs> for degrading herself. Oh, my God. Fuck this judge. Helen just wanted some happiness. So because it was looked at as shameful, you had to find a way of doing something shameful but making it sound classy at the same time. And luckily, at this time in the early 1800s, when this is all happening, romanticism was beginning to make its mark. And we're all swept away by its beauty. And that translated into some beautiful marriage ads. This is from 1800, a small uh, English paper. Seven wives wanted. Ladies of respectability, desirous of entering into the matrimony of state, may hear of seven gentlemen who are desirous of enjoying true connubial bliss. A gentleman, about 27 years of age, kind and amiable in disposition, is desirous of meeting with a partner for life. The advertiser is engaged in a prosperous business and trusts that his mode may be the means of bringing him into communication with one of the fair sex similarly disposed and of respectable family. I'm rich. Yeah. Ladies, I'm wealthy. I hope you're wealthy too. Yeah. I, th that'd be nice. Ladies. And by the 1800s, personal ads were so commonplace that they provided the basis for Heinrich von Klast's 1810 novel, The Marquise of O. This is how the book starts. Are you ready? 
a lady of unblemished reputation, and the mother of several well-brought-up children, that she had without knowledge of the cause, uh, come to find herself in a certain situation, that she would like the father of the child she was expecting to disclose his identity to her, and that she was resolved, out of consideration for her family, to marry him. Meaning, I got knocked up, who knocked me up? <laughs> While we laugh at this, we have to remember that these people had very few opportunities to no, meet yeah. others, especially in the sprawling suburbs of London. These were real anonymous ads people were posting who were isolated, they were widows, they were widowers, they had been left by their spouses, they were divorcees, couldn't go out into society, and those that were unhappy in their own marriages who needed a chance to feel alive my personal favorites though are the ones that really rich 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 people wrote at this time because it was mostly for aristocrats it doesn't get to the middle classes until later but here are some of my favorite aristocratic ads that got posted uh, this is a guy of course uh, capable from her rank and talents of supporting the dignity and titles which an alliance so honorable will confer to her uh, i am well off fi financially all that really matters is the well off financially yeah. they didn't care about the title in the mid 1800s New magazines started to appear, uh, magazines like The Wedding Bell in the United States and over in England, The Correspondent, Matrimonial Herald, and Marriage Gazette. And all of these were aimed at people, those that were seeking like romantic stories and stories about weddings and stories about couples and how they met. And what better place to advertise for your lonely heart that it, than in places where people were already looking for romance. So it also allowed mm. for the new middle classes to emerge. And they also were allowed to seek out partners as they too needed to be loved because Lord knows the banks don't love them. And also because families began to become fragmented with moving and with high mortality rates, there needed someone to play matchmaker for the middle classes. And it was not going to be a person. It was going to be magazines. Mm -hmm. The personals had an even bigger part in history at this time, and that was to carry on the British race. The ads, they felt, would safeguard the future of the British Isles, and it would allow middle-class and upper-class folks to procreate so that it wasn't all low-class people oh, who were good. procreating. And that's how the upper-middle-class was, was born. born. Want to go to America? Yeah. Okay. Because in America, we have personal ads from the Boston Evening Post, like in the 1750s and all that stuff, but it takes uh, it's the public ledger from Philadelphia, and that was the first newspaper in the eight, in 1836 to start to feature personal ads regularly. How much would it cost to run an ad in the ledger? Uh, this is American money, right? This is American money, the 1830s. Uh, five cents. 25 cents. Oh, damn. It's expensive back then, right? And in 1840, they claimed that most of the ads that got published would receive, guess how many replies on average? It's a pretty- Oh, geez. Seven? Anywhere from 250 to 500 replies. What? Yep. And from 1866 until the 20th century, the most widely read newspaper in the US, which was the New York Herald, they printed the personal ads on the front page of the newspaper. So that's so it became that acceptable. That's crazy. Two hundred. I feel like it's almost better to be single with all instead of having all those. Right. My dearest B, how I long for thee. The way you have described the smell of your hair as juniper and your feet as patchouli has never left my mind. I am afraid I will not be able to visit you and finally meet you for a good while longer. Mining is a rough life, but I feel stronger every day. Aside from my lungs, 
but I'm hoping that these cigarettes will help with the health issues caused by these mine shafts. Enclosed is the money that you asked for, for the orphanage that you're starting. I hope that these 40 shillings finds you well and helps get those young children the new wigs and corsets that you say that they need. Yours truly, Arthur Francis Van Aldridge IV. Postscript. I hate to ask this again, because yes, I do believe you, but you're still not a man, right? Arthur, my love, thank you for these 40 shillings. I will be able to put them to good use as these children are quite homely with their flat chests and bald heads. And my dear, of course, like I said in the past ten letters, I am not a man. I told you that my feet smelled of patchouli. Would a man's feet smell of that scent? I do believe not. To further prove that I am not a man, I have attached a photograph of me in this parcel. I have been told that I resemble Princess Feodora of Leiningen. In fact, when I do appear on the music hall stages, I use the name Princess. Please enjoy the photograph. And just a reminder, that photograph is definitely of me. And I am definitely a woman, not a man. I have a vagina. With all my love, B. Postscript. Because I am a woman of such lovely sense, please enclose another 40 shillings, or more, whatever works, but at least 40. Now, question for you, question for you. So we know that this was a male-oriented practice, that men were the ones who were putting the ads out there because they were the one that was supposed to quote-unquote propose, and they had the money and all that stuff. When does it get normal for women to publicly say that they're responding to personal ads. So not posting them, but saying, yes, I respond to these personal ads. I did not know this. I found this fascinating. Um, Let me guess, after World War II. Earlier. Oh, uh, it's after they w- got the right, women got the right to vote? Earlier. Uh, Civil War. Yes. So it gets normalized wow. for the Civil War because they're told if you respond to men that are putting out personal ads, you're doing your patriotic duty because these men are going off to die. So, yeah, it makes, it, it's a goodwill type thing. It's a goodwill type thing. And in 1863, one of the personal ads read this. I was like, oh, this is really sad. A guy posted this and he was looking for a patriotic woman of intelligence, accomplishments and good sense in case he had perished during the war uh, before having an heir. So he wanted to meet a woman, get her pregnant and then go and die with a clear conscience because he knew his lineage would live on. Then what's really interesting is after the Civil War, there's this really like disproportionate number because like the men that are available in the East versus the number of women that are out on the frontier as America's pushing West because Civil War, there were like, 600,000 guys from the East that were killed. So it's like very few men in the East, lots of women in the West. So a lot of the guys that migrate start going out towards the West. Sure. Women have their pick. Women have their pick because Dang. for one woman, there's 25 men. And I'm sure guys were only looking for women back then. Oh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> but now here's a question. Once again, there's no photographs. So how do you sell a product that nobody can see? Well, we feel that 
honesty is the best policy because from 1859, uh, here was a personal ad that a woman placed in the New York Times, quote, without beauty to attract the world's crowd or gold to allure the fortune hunter, I am, I believe, a true-hearted, refined, educated woman, young, frank, and mirthful, with the birthrate entree of cultured circles. Birthrate entree? What she's saying is, is, hey, I know that there are other girls out there that are younger and prettier, but I can get you in the right circles, baby. Okay. It wasn't all fun and games. Sometimes the personal ads could actually be about social progression, because in 1885, a group of married black women in Arizona Territory formed a club called the Busy Bee Club, and it advertised for wives of black Arizona miners, hoping to reduce uh, violence in the mining camps and encourage black women to come and move to the area. Okay. One of the things that also helped these magazines was that newspapers began pulling back on lonely hearts sections when people were using them for fraudulent activities. And the papers did not want to be held liable. So a lot of personal ads began to move specifically into more magazines and periodicals. Uh, Some of the scams were probably, these probably still go on today. A big one was in 1897, there was an ad by a young lady and she said she was a widow. She wanted to get married. She made no like secret that she was very, very wealthy and several men bent like, were corresponding with her, and she she said, well, I'd love to come meet you, but I need money for travel expenses. Prince of Nigeria yep. scam. Yep, and they sent her the money, and she headed for Europe, and nobody ever heard from her again. Now, there's going to be a couple of publications that emerge in the latter half of the 19th century, going into the 20th century, that are really going to be the primary way that people will be meeting one, one another. 1897, there's a gentleman by the name of William T. Steed, and he creates a book, actually really creates the first social network, with a publication called The Wedding Ring Circle. And to me, I feel like this is the first app before we even had iPhones. Wedding Ring Circle walked so Facebook could run. See, what happened was if you were part of the Wedding Ring Circle, you were a member and you'd be given subscription to the club's monthly magazine called Roundabout. And you also had access to photos of other members. Oh, wow. That's big. And you also had a place to write about yourself. So he's really creating your your profile for you. A magazine like that would get about five to 600 letters a week. And from the period of 1910 to about 1915, there was about 8,000 ads that appeared in just like one publication. Some of these magazines have gone through some interesting changes. There was one magazine called TP, not toilet paper, TP. Yeah. And at first it was just for you to contact members of your same sex to look for friendship. So men could only contact men, women could only contact women. And then at some point, People were complaining to TP, and they're like, hey, we kind of need to talk to other opposite members of the sex. That's kind of what we're going for. So they were like, okay, that's fine. But if you want to talk, if we want to like connect you, because remember, they have to, they got to connect everybody. You have to provide us two character references, and one of them has to be from a clergyman. Oh, Jesus. That's intense, right? Nowadays, you just got to validate your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> could you ask your priest for a reference, please? Forgive me, Father. I've sinned. And I think this is something we need today. You could anonymously correspond with one another. And when you both wrote the editor saying, I give permission, then the editor would reveal to you who the other person was. But you both had to tell the editor, I'm ready to let him know who it is. It's like a dating show on TV it now. It really is. It really was. So while those other magazines were important, the most successful one, and the one that I was like, as a gay man, I was like, this hurts my heart, was a, pl- a magazine called Link. 
from 1915 was created by a guy named Alfred Barrett. And he said that Link was the only monthly practically devoted to love interests. The magazine, which emerged during, you know, right before World War I, was a place for people to connect with one another more directly without a third party like the wedding ring circle. So you mm. could actually skip the middleman. And Mr. Barrett said his publication was helpful, clean, and straight whatever that means. Here, you could not only find love, but you could find specific types of love. If someone was really into Karl Marx, or if they loved doing cocaine, or you wanted to- Mickey Mouse. Or Mickey Mouse, or if you wanted to engage in free love, you could write that person directly. Plus, if you were gay, you could also look for same-sex partners by dropping coded words like musical, (laughs) unconventional, and artistic. Here's an example of one of those. Reggie, Young bachelor, lonely, affectionate, sincere, musical, theatrical, wishes to meet nice-looking male about 20, if possible share rooms, also weekends. Photo appreciated. June of 1919. Also social media influencer. Also social media influencer. I have seven followers. Yes, there are seven people who follow me everywhere that I go. And because it was a platform for queerness, queerness at this time was illegal. And that's what ends Link Magazine and what ends the career of Alfred Barrett. You see, there were two men named Walter Burks and William Ernest Smythe, and they met through an ad in Link Magazine. And in June of 1921, Link Magazine went on trial for aiding gross indecency, saying that because you created the magazine that these two guys could meet one another in, you are aiding the criminal act of homosexuality. The trial was so scandalous where they read the love letters out loud. And I looked at the letters. They're not that scandalous. It's just, I love you. The trial was so scandalous. Tell me how honest of a trial this is. They asked the female jurors to leave the courtroom while they read the letters. And Link was also being looked at on the magazine as a place for white slavery. They also said that it was a place for white slavery because he had posted an ad unbeknownst to him, and it said widow in London, greatly interested in discipline, which could mean, like, I like somebody who's rigid and organized. It was a woman who ran an S&M brothel. Ah, so, got it. So he was say, they were saying, you're also facilitating madams to take women off the streets and to turn them into sex workers. I just like the bo- taste of the bottom of people's shoes. What is the problem with that? I just I, spit in my mouth. That's all I want. I just want someone to spit in my mouth and tell me I'm a dumb whore. I don't understand what the problem is. I am a dumb whore. Did you read my ad? Alfred Barrett was sentenced to two years in prison. Jesus Christ. For just running a magazine. World War One is really what's going to make an event, besides the, the Civil War in America, but World War One really for, for uh, Europeans, is really going to make the Lonely Hearts idea thrive. You see, with so many men dying for their country, once again, like the Civil War, they needed comfort in the trenches. So magazines would tell women it was their patriotic duty that you had to write to these men and make sure that they understand that what they're giving their lives for and what they're fighting for. Now, a lot of the governments would get angry because they're like, you don't know who these women are, so make sure you don't like tell them where you are because they might be spies. My name's Hildegard. <laughs> My name is Hildegard, and I want to know what is your favorite color and what town will you be attacking tomorrow at dawn? Have you tried this new thing called granola? It's very good here in America. 
We are really enjoying the granola. It is very beneficial for my health. By the way, what is the front line like? <laughs> Just out of curiosity for a poor widowed woman here in uh, what, uh, Kansas City. Oh, boy. Every night when I lay under the Texas stars, I look at my cow and I think... I wonder what Reginald is thinking about and what exactly are his coordinates, <laughs> latitude and longitude, preferably. Love, Mary. <laughs> Crazy, this gal, like, just by reading her voice, I can tell she has an accent, but it's hot. <laughs> She's moving for the sound. Hey, friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay, head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money, and in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T- R-E-O-N dot com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. My personal favorite during World War One was there was a model, and her name, an actress, her name was Phyllis Monkman. Phyllis Monkman? There's yours. Well, apparently she was the most beautiful woman of the 1910s, and wait till you take a look at her. She said that uh, she was going to run a, co- a contest. Men could write in. And whichever man soldier she selected, uh, she'd end up marrying. I never never got that far. <laughs> Thank God the war ended before Phyllis had to make a commitment. At the end of the war, it now allowed women to place more ads in Lonely Hearts than men. So now it had switched. It was now more permissible. And once again, while we laugh at these things, one of the things that people were doing with these ads, like we said, was they could run scams, like let me collect money. Sometimes people would be kidnapped. They would go to meet their lover and find out their lover was not at all the person they had thought they were communicating with. Their Amazon password. Their Amazon got password hacked. got hacked a lot of times. We have the original Prince of Nigeria email scam is being set in these lonely hearts. But also there was true crime. There was there was some murder. There was a woman by the name of Irene Wilkins over in England. This was very sad. She was uh, killed in 1921 after she was lured over to meet a guy that she thought was this gentleman she had been corresponding with. Not at all the case. And the police couldn't figure out how this woman was like 200 miles away, oh 100 God. miles away from her home. They're like, how did this woman get here? And then they found out it was through a Lonely Hearts thing. And then, of course, if you're familiar with uh, some American serial killers, a married couple, a couple by the name of Raymond Fernandez and Martha Julie Beck, and they became known as the Lonely Hearts killers because they were a couple who would lure women from Lonely Hearts ads and then kill them sometimes kill their children too. And they left in alleged 17 bodies in their wake. These were the Lonely Hearts killers. When was this? This was in the 1940s that Raymond Fernandez and Martha Julie Beck were the Lonely Hearts killers. 
And then all of this is going to change. Lonely Hearts is going to change. It's going to adapt, mostly because when World War II happens, suddenly there's prosperity. Suddenly there's colleges. Suddenly men and women can go to colleges together. Women are going into the workforce. So now you didn't have to necessarily wait per se for someone to introduce you or to be into a world where you would have to be introduced to someone. You could go up and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mary. I'm your classmate. Hi, ba 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 ba. So the personal ad then starts to decrease a little bit and it still stays around. But it changes with what people are looking for because with the free love 60s, now people are writing saying, I'm looking for just casual dating. I'm looking for casual sex. The queer community gets their first like men seeking men, women seeking women categories. But really where it excels is it's a place for uh, straight couples to swap partners and look for ways of expanding their sexual horizons. So if you look at magazines like Exit or Way Out or or Screw, you will see a lot of advertisements like this one. Sincere couple, 3828. Interested in absolutely everything erotic. Wish to meet others similar for anything goes. Hurry, we're so bored down here and very genuine. Do you know where wife swapping really took off not the abc show no no that was not good wife swapping really took off in armed forces bases uh, in world war ii of course and then once homosexuality finally was decriminalized in england in 1967 then there were publications specifically for gay lonely hearts things like gay times and ready for this magazine jeffrey (laughs) and of course there was you know video ads bars people started going to bars so the personal ad is going to start to like decrease over time because there's new ways of meeting people and the idea of anonymity which was so popular before is now going to sort of fade out my dearest b wow this photograph of you on the music hall stage looks exactly like princess Theodora of lingen like identical. It is an uncanny resemblance. And to see so many confirmed bachelors surrounding you in this photograph, I know what a lucky man I am to have a correspondence with such a beautiful woman. I have enclosed 60 shillings this time. I am sorry that I have been so hesitant to believe that you are in fact a woman. I have been deceived through correspondence. Well, a few times now, but with you, I feel as if there's something different. My dear, I cannot wait to finally meet you once I fulfill my six-year mining contract. Only four years left. Yours, Arthur Francis Van Aldridge the Fourth. Arthur Francis Van Aldridge IV, I only write your full name as a way of thanking you for this amazing donation of 60 shillings. It will go very far in putting an actual roof over the livestock's heads. Animal pneumonia is no laughing matter. Another thing, I think I will probably need some more money. Now, you might not be able to tell this from the photograph with all those confirmed bachelors surrounding me, but I have rather large bosoms. 
and with these rather large, voluptuous bosoms, my lower back is starting to need some medical attention, and only the best doctors for me, as I am sure on that you would agree. Anyways, again, not a dude. I have these large, large, big old bosoms. With love, B. Postscript. If you also could see your way to sending me a hoop skirt, as I am putting together a new act for the music hall, one where I play Lydia Thompson and lip-sync to a Victrola. Now here's a new type of personal ad that emerges in the 1990s. Tell me what kind of personal ad do you think might pop up in the 1990s? I found this fascinating. What do you think people are looking for now in the 90s? Video ads. But what are they looking for in a personal ad? In a written personal ad. We've had people looking for friends. We've had people looking for partners. We have people looking for husbands. We have people looking for dates. What do you think is the new thing someone is looking for? um, to, To start a family. Very close. Reproductive partners. They're looking for people to donate their eggs and their sperm. You know, it used to be, we'll charge you for the ad. And then as space got more precious in newspapers, it was like, we'll charge you by the letter. And so people started to abbreviate things. So I'm going to I'm gonna throw out a couple of things, and I want you to tell me what these abbreviations stand for, okay? If you're reading a personal ad. Are you ready? Yes. What does MWM stand for? M- man with... Wo- uh, man. Man, woman, man. Married white male. Oh. DBF. Don't butt fuck. Divorced black female. Oh. GSOH. I think you would say this, Ray, that you have a GSOH. Great... Sl- uh, great... Lock of hair. Good sense of humor. Oh. I'll give you your last one. I think you can do this. WS. Oh, God. I don't know. I'm so bad at these. Water sports. Oh, well. Polo, swimming, diving. Yeah, sure. So let me ask you a question here. This is some a random trivia I found out about personal ads. When men place ads seeking women, what is something that they usually tend to specify? They want the woman to be um, good looking. Even more so than that. Uh, uh, skinny. Even more so. Uh, 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 Physically attractive. Younger. Younger. Oh, geez. And women want older. Okay. They're on the same page. So therefore, older men and younger women are considered to be, quote, favored groups because they're the ones that are being sought out the most. Therefore, when they write an ad, they're more specific. They have more requirements. If you're part of a less valuable group that's younger men and older women, they have less restrictions for themselves when they write a personal ad. And how interesting is that? Ready for this? The older the advertiser, what is something that they usually put in their ad? The older the advertiser usually puts this into their ad. I mean, age, I guess. Yeah, what do they do to their age? Uh, They take off five years. Oh, okay. I'm sure they do. It's also they mitigate their age by saying like youthful 44 or young at heart, young outlook. What will be something that somebody will put in a personal ad that will get somebody to respond to it? Is it, um, it should it be intelligent? Should it be describing how attractive you are? Should it describe your financial state? What is the one thing that is always guaranteed to get people probably to not only read your ad, but respond to the ad? How many zeros you have? Really? You think that's it? I feel like a guy with money, that would be something that he would put. What is it? It's something I think you would do very well at. Make a baked potato? <laughs> do you make a good baked potato? Well, yeah, I put it in a microwave. Humor. 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 This is some personal ads from the Guardian newspaper with a sense of humor. 
Tell me, I think I'd respond. Ready? I celebrated my 40th birthday last week by cataloging my collection of bird feeders. Next year, I'm hoping for sexual intercourse and cake. Okay. The celebrity I resemble the most is Potsy from Happy Days. What feels so right can't be wrong. Oh, my God. Here's my favorite one. God appeared to me in a dream last night and spoke your name in my ear. He gave me the winning lottery numbers, too, though, so you can understand where my priorities lay when I race to grab a notebook and pen. Man, 37, living on hope in the next seven weeks as bonus balls seeks women whose first name begins with S or maybe F and rhymes with chicken and has a surname that's either a place in Shropshire or the title of a 1979 Earth, Wind, and Fire track. Chicken Boogie Wonderland, I know you're reading this. (laughs) I would write to this person. He sounds fun. Now, we haven't talked about one of my absolute, absolute favorite things to do on Craigslist. And what is it, my friend? To go and read the personals. Okay, but even more specifically, what do we like? Responding to the personals? No, man. Oh. Misconnections. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot you, about misconnections. Would you tell everyone what a misconnection is? Do they still do it? They do. I'm looking at it right now. So people could go on, say you're at a party and there was someone there that you thought was cute. You could write was at a party in North Hollywood on Friday night. It was off of this street. You were sitting on the couch with black hair, and you got up a couple times to go to the bathroom, but I think it's because you were drinking a lot of water. Either way, I have a small bladder, too, and would love to talk about it. You're so detailed. Here are some older ones for you. This one's from 1748. They were doing it as far back as 1748 from a, a newspaper called General Advertiser. Ye old Craigslist. Lady genteelly dressed, who this guy saw leading a train of horses. This is to acquaint her that if she is disengaged and inclinable to marry... A gentleman who is on that occasion is desirous of making honorable proposals. This is uh, from the 1850s. Gentleman with high social reputation. He saw a woman he danced with at a New York masquerade ball and said she laughed like a siren and waltzed like a fairy. And he's looking for her. Now, I have pulled up the Los Angeles misconnections that were posted today. I will read a title for you, my friend, and you tell me which one I should stop on and read, okay? Cookies and Cream, Romantics Theater, Hastings Ranch TJ's Employee with Blue Truck. That one. That one. Easy. This is from Pasadena. To the incredibly hot male Trader Joe's employee who changes into his work shirt in the parking lot by his rugged blue truck, I see you, boo. They need to have you out on the floor more often. Stay sexy. A puppy named Hudson. Top repairman needed for backdoor bottom needs drilling. That one. I Well, I kind of have a feeling that this is not about construction. Repairman needed in Hollywood. Available all day. This boy's back door is thick and stocky. In dire need of both a drilling and hammering. Come put your back into it and pound it out. Well, if the back door is thick and stocky, that's probably not really good for a hammer. You probably want to use a Makita. Well, I mean, if you have a front door. Oh, you won't like this one, man. Uh Uh-oh. Clippers playoff game. Oh, God, no. So now, obviously, we have Tinder. We have Grindr. We have Scruff. We have OkCupid. Farmers only. Farmers only. Coffee meets bagel. Christian mingle, right? So why do we read 
all of these things? Well, there's a psychologist, and his name is Jeffrey Miller, and he calls this the Scheherazade effect because, like, the king beheading his brides, once Scheherazade wins the king's heart with humor— we too keep hoping that one will secretly make us happy. Yes, we look at the personals, and yes, we laugh at the personals, and yes, we dismiss them. But deep down, we're also hoping that one of these personals will speak to us and take us out of the loneliness of life. So yes, we laugh at it to keep ourselves removed, but deep down, there might be one that changes our mind. One of the marks of the personals though, that has not really gone away, the personal ad, not the app, is anonymity. Anonymity, because in an anonymous setting, you can be as detailed as as you want with what your secret fantasies are because nobody can put your name or your face to it. When you go online now and you actually have a profile with your face and your name, people are more likely to be guarded and not put all of their fantasies or fetishes out there. And doesn't Tinder like say, like I've never used Tinder, doesn't it say how far away you are and stuff like that? Yes, you you can, you can I think on most of the apps now, you like, can actually put a I mean, location. I know I won't say like exact, but it just seems like, oh, this person's 30 feet away from me. When you were single, did you, you never used any of these no. apps? You just, how did you meet people? Through like school and connections? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I never, I've, I made a plenty of fish one time. And What's plenty of fish? Is that another? It's app? Another app, like not, not. It's like it was. I went on the computer to use it. it. Was before the app, but nothing ever came of it. So you've never used one where like the surf, like you can see how close someone is to you. No, I, that's. I mean, I, that's why it was one of those things. Like I felt like that was something on there, but it just always seemed odd. My dearest bee, my love. Is the B short for bosoms? I gently mock. It pains me so very much to hear of your medical issues that need tending. Here is 100 shillings. Anything for my sweet love to get better. I am willing to live on nothing but bread to make sure you have as many hoop skirts as you need. Now real quick. Large, large, big old bosoms, you say? Enclosed with the 100 shillings is a daguerreotype of my penis. Yours, Arthur Francis Van Aldrich IV. Oi! This is Brian's landlord! He ain't here no more! Stop sending these hoop skirts! Bloody poofter! So let me ask you, let's imagine that we live in a world without apps, and let's imagine for a second that you are single. What would be your your personal ad? Ray, SWM, that's single white male. Uh, SWM, uh, looking for a good time. Um, love, to, love to laugh. I don't make a lot of money. I should just put that out there. So no, I don't make a lot of Dollar sign. Yeah. Because we want to save on some money here for you because you're obviously struggling. Well, I I saved enough to write out dollar uh, <laughs> uh, to, to the... write out money. Okay. Okay. I want to prove that I'm serious about this. So. Let me ask you a question. You're in a relationship, so it's different now. But what do you think is like your selling point when you go into a relationship? What would, what do you think what would make your personal ad? What about your personality would make your personal ad separate than everybody else's personal ad? I have a lot of stuff. Like what? Uh, collectible stuff. Uh, I love posters, uh, pens, buttons. 
I'm eclectic. How's that? That's a good. Okay. Eclectic's good. Eclectic collector. I'm a. I'm a. <clears throat> I'm a youthful uh, early thirties. <laughs> You're young at heart. I'm young at heart, but uh, old in arm. Like I sometimes I feel like my arms get a little weak, so I feel like an, those are older. Are you sure that's not like a heart attack? You know, I would say for you, Ray, single white male, thirties, love improv, always yes and parentheses no but. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, but you know how many people would respond? Right one for me. A uh, hunk with his master's degree looking for a man that can keep me saying, yes, master. I don't know. But you definitely want to put your degree in there. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's going to be a good selling point. We should do one for our editor, Daniel. Daniel, who is our editor. <laughs> That's lovely. Oh, that's it. Daniel, get ready. The girls are going to be riding you like crazy. Yep, there you go. I feel like for you, I can go on back to you. you got, no, we I'm gotta, good. We I gotta, got what I needed. We got to take, we got to, we got to put your d- degree. We also have got to put that you're theatrical. <laughs> and sensitive. And sensitive. And I'm looking for a male companion for the weekend. To share a, a one bedroom with. To share a studio in Greenwich Village. It's a walk up. <laughs> it is a walk up. Your calves will be extra strong, but I will help them every night. Hey, this was a fun game. Do you want to play a real game? This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Mark Schroeder, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's happy Day, Valentine's Ron, Ray. Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you both. Got a game for us besides the game of love? Personal ads. Mm. Personal ads are a bygone, it's a it's a feature of a bygone communication method. Yes, Which absolutely. I think was, which, you know, telephone books were yes. another thing, uh, newspapers. So I've got a series of trivia questions all about getting personal. Okay. All about getting in touch with one another, all about trying to reach out and connect with that person okay. in a game that I'm calling this time it's personal. Okay. I'm ready. And you're working together as always. Oh, hey partner. Hello. Hi, how are you? Happy Ray Valentine's Eagle. Day, Happy Ray. Valentine's Day. James Earl Jones did voiceover for this telephone communication brand. AT&T? Uh, I was going to say that or Pac Bell. AT&T. Bell Atlantic. Ooh. Oh. The heart of communication. Everyone knows that Jenny's number is 8675309, but what is the name of the band that first got us Jenny's digits way back in 1981? Oh, Jesus. It's um Rick Springfield? Ooh. It is... Tommy Two-Tone. Oh. Tommy Two-Tone. Oh. Almost like Ten-time Tony Award. <laughs> Ten-time Tony Tonehattin. <laughs> if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain is known informally as the pina colada song. But what is its official song title? I know it's by Rupert Holmes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All about placing a personal ad looking for something new. It, it's called the Pina Colada song? That's the parenthetical. See, when it comes on Yacht Rock, it only says Pina Colada song when mm. I listen to it. And that's a real story. <laughs> yeah. S- sand and alcohol. I don't know. But write to me and escape. Oh, escape! That's escape. right! Fuck! Oh, God damn is it, it is escape. escape. What does persona non grata translate to in English? Person not welcomed. That is correct. This man knows. Persona non grata. He's Latin. That's what they sing to me at church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. point. Persona All the non grata. The point is you walk out the back. <laughs> In 2011, Vanity Fair dubbed this location-based networking app, quote, the world's biggest, scariest gay bar. Grind. 
grinder. And his grinder is correct. I was going to say the RNC. (laughs) (laughs) Tap twice under the stall if you're a bottom. (laughs) Also, (laughs) pro-life. Question number six. Which publication has the highest U.S. circulation? The New York Times, USA Today, the Wall Street Journal. I'd say Wall Street Journal. USA Today? Consensus. I want to see Wall Street Journal because I feel like that that talks about money, and so that would be more around the United States. I don't know. I was going to say USA Today because it's in college. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And said as your hotel. I don't know. What is it? USA Today. Oh! Because, because it's, it's in, in color. color. <laughs> People love pictures. Yeah. In early internet chat speak, what does ASL stand for? H sex location, location, baby. I still throw an ASL to a friend every once in a while, and they're like, "What?" Yeah. yeah I, really? You know, the first time I ever saw that, I thought it was uh, American Sign Language. Like, do you speak American <laughs> That's Sign funny, Language? Because I have to know over this chat base. Yeah, I know. Platform. I was yeah. kind of confused. <laughs> Send me photos of you uh, chatting to me. We're going to communicate <laughs> in sign language. Greg Newmark began Craigslist as an email distribution list to friends. In what year? 94? I was going to say 98. Let's go 96. 95. Ah! 95. You're all, you guys are really hovering around it. The modern day version of personal ads currently found on Craigslist is known by this name. Personals? Romance. No, adult connections. Missed connections. Oh, I love reading Missed Connections. It's good. Oh. I uh, did a, in the LA Fringe Festival, maybe, this is actually probably the last time I was on stage. You asked me the other yeah. day when was the last time I was in a play. We did a play that somebody combined, compiled all these Craigslist misconnections oh, and monologues. That's funny. Oh. And we performed those, and that was really fun. That's great. That was an incredible show. <laughs> that was a great time. Final question. The Zodiac Killer sent more ciphers to this newspaper than any other between 1969 and 1970. San Francisco Chronicle? That is correct, Zodiac Killer. Uh, what? Nope, couldn't be. He looked so befuddled. Yeah. Uh, I think you guys, you really got personal on that one. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't keeping track again, but I think you, you everybody earns a million points. Thanks, Mark. Congratulations. Thank you. Way to, way Thank you. We hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Absolutely. Do something romantic like shutting us off <laughs> and, and go be with a loved one. Go be with a loved one. Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and let us know your thoughts on personal ads if you've ever written one. Maybe some funny ones that you've seen come across your app. Ray, anything else you want to say on this beautiful day of love? And tell us what kind of Valentines you bought this year to give out to your friends and loved ones. I can't wait to see what you got me. Miley Cyrus. I gotta go. Love you. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg. Our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese. Our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford. Our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia. And finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 